Hi, this is Tyler. I'm back for Part B of Chapter 5. We've talked about two sources of market failure thus far, poor information and externalities. Remember, market failure is when the private sector markets fail to achieve economic efficiency. And these are, we're going through a set of reasons why markets may fail to achieve economic efficiency. We've covered poor information and externalities. Now we're on to public goods. Markets will not produce public goods. There's, there's something about the nature of public goods we, that, uh, that cause markets to not produce them. Uh, this, the, the economic action of producing public goods will not take place. It would be nobody's self-interest to produce, uh, to demand, purchase public goods, but yet society as a whole needs public goods. Well, public goods, what are the characteristics of public goods that, that result in this peculiar outcome? Public goods, by definition, are goods that can be joined, uh, jointly consumed. If you'll go to slide 8, it notes this. My, uh, one person's consumption of a public good does not deny another person's simultaneous consumption of that good. We can both be driving down a road at one time. And unless there are congestion problems, one person being on the road does not deny the other person consuming that road. Likewise, we can both sit and listen to the radio. My consumption of that good, listening to the radio, does not deny you the consumption of that good. Uh, all, uh, the, other, the second characteristic of public goods is that you cannot exclude, or at least very easily exclude, non-payers from consuming that good. For example, if somebody were to pay, pay for a private road between, I don't know, here we are, in, I'm in Cash Valley, between Logan, say, and Smithfield. Uh, you couldn't, uh, back in 1850 perhaps, somebody just decided, we need a road between Logan and Smithfield. One didn't exist, and maybe some part, some one person built that road, went through all the cost of building the road. But he, would, he or she would have had a hard time excluding others. Once the road's there, how are you going to exclude others from using the road? How are you going to exclude people from listening to the radio? How, if somebody purchased national defense, are they going to exclude others from enjoying national defense? So you have the uh, infamous free rider problem. Uh, well, what are some examples of some public goods? I just mentioned one, national defense. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping out to uh, slide 10. National defense. We need national defense. You never know. The Canadians may uh, become surly, disgruntled, and attack. Well... It's a good idea to have national defense. Or the North Koreans, or the Iraqis, or the Iranians. Uh, you know, they're, they're so -called, so, one of the so-called axis of evil. Well, I, we can quibble about the level of national defense or whether in the United States we spend too much or too little on national defense, but I think everybody agrees we need some level of national defense. Well, markets, that is the private sector, may not produce national defense because of the problems of non-exclusive you can't exclude non-payers from enjoying the good, and because of the problem of joint consumption. Markets will not produce public goods. We need a, the government or the public sector to produce public goods. Well, finally, or not finally, just next, another source of market failure, going to slide 11. Markets need competition. Mar competition is, is, is important for markets to function properly. Remember, markets are all about individuals engaging in, in, in uh, self-interested decisions. Uh, but we have to have choices. 
in order for the markets to work, we, we have to have choices. Uh, in order for there to be mutually advantageous exchanges, I have lots of choices where I shop for groceries. If I go to Albertsons and they're abusive to me, well, I go to Smith's or Walmart or uh, Harmon Cities, uh, Harmon uh, Harmons. This choice, this the fact that there are many outlets or grocers, prevents any grocer from taking advantage of me. And I will only engage in mutual advantageous if I, if I only had one grocer to go to. Well, it may I may have to do it because I need groceries, but it may not be optimal for, for me. Uh, competition is what keeps participants within the market system from taking advantage of each other. We don't want we wouldn't want that to be socially undesirable. The competition allows choices for all of us and keeps one party from taking advantage or being abusive to the other. Well, the, the famous example, or the worst example, I suppose, of, of the lack of competition would be a monopoly, one seller of, or, of, one, produce, of one good. But you know, also have an oligopoly where we only have a few producers. That's not particularly nice either. Uh, or we could have a, a competition on the other side. We, have, we could have lack of competition for the purchase of inputs. This is a monopsony, a market with only one buyer. If you were in a company town and there was only one purchaser of labor, only one employer, well, that employer could be abusive to employees. But I work for Utah State University. I work for Utah State University. If both of us, they're, they're for the most part, they can get rid of me, although since I'm a tenured professor, that might be a little difficult. But uh, it's it's they can if I if I'm abusive or if I don't do my job. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if I don't like how Utah State University treats me, well, to heck with them. I move on. I go to Boise State or SUU or or maybe even BYU. Who knows? But we need we need competition. Well. These sources of market failure are the primary justif- or what I would call the economic justifications for government. Government, because market failures lead to economic inefficiency, to inefficiencies, the government, government action can lead towards economic efficiency. If market failures cause the private sector to fail to achieve economic efficiency, then it seems justifiable to have the government action which will bring us towards economic efficiency by dealing with externalities, by providing for public goods, by promoting competition. But the United States, the government's involved in a lot of other things rather than other than just dealing with market failures. In fact, in the U.S., the government has primarily become an engine for taking income from one group and giving it to another. so-called transfer payments. Not These are government actions like Social Security or uh, uh, the various subsidies to farmers, which, I'm, by the way, I'm a farmer, and so I get some of these subsidies. Thank you very much. These are policies that really aren't designed to correct for market failures, but rather designed just to promote, protect somebody's income. It's income transfer programs. Now, I'm not saying they're bad, but there but they're, they're, they're really isn't a, an economic justification. 
and as I go to slide 13 we need to talk about this concept uh, the related concept of rent seeking if the government becomes involved in just transferring income then individuals recognizing this will engage in rent seeking behavior that is uh, using lobby lobbying government or otherwise approaching government the public sector and trying to derive some benefit through government uh, we have a lot of rent seeking behavior in the United States because the US government is indeed engaging in uh, these transfer programs not that all these transfer programs not I'm not I'm not making a value judgment about transfer programs I'm, I'm making an economic judgment that transfer programs are not designed to increase economic efficiency. In fact, they have the the opposite effect because of the incentives they provide. If the government transfers income from one group to the other, then the group from whom they're transferring income from is less has less of an incentive to engage in income-producing activities. And the group to whom they're transferring income to will spend their time and effort lobbying government rather than producing income. That's a waste of resources to lobby government. From a society's perspective, that's a waste of resources to lobby government. So government will take from one group and give to you, i.e. it is inefficient to engage uh, uh, in, in rent-seeking behavior. Well, I think uh, that's probably a good place to start. Stop. Uh, well, let's, let's talk just briefly about slide 15 and 16. That kind of summarizes a few things. We, can, we use the terms microeconomic policy and we can think of microeconomic policy as as, as government uh, dealing with externalities, providing public goods, uh, providing information, promoting competition. However, we also have, and we'll talk a great deal about this later, we also have government or the public sector involved in what we call macroeconomic policy. We have two types of macroeconomic policy as noted on slide 16. One is government engaging in a monetary policy, and again we'll talk much more about this later. We just want to note at this point in the chapter on public sector and government that we have uh, the government engaged in macroeconomic policy, controlling the money supply in an attempt to try to smooth out the business cycle, which by the way is the final source of market failures, uh, as noted way back on, uh, and let's go back to that slide, kind of get disorganized here towards the end of this lecture, but uh, bear with me. Uh, way back on slide four, which we never got to the fi we never got to the final source of market failure, and and that is business cycles. It may happen for complicated reasons that at any point in time we may have massive amount of unemployment in an economy. Well, that certainly that isn't even technically efficient. Never mind economic efficient. Achieve, uh, massive unemployment cause the market system to fail to achieve economic efficiency. So certainly if the government can, can can reduce unemployment, that would be a step towards efficiency. When we have massive unemployment, we're what we say, we are what we would refer to as in a recession, the recessionary part of the business cycle. Well, as we go back now to slide 16, uh, macroeconomic policy is designed or intended to reduce the business cycle, that is the booms and the busts, particularly the busts in, in the macro economy. And we, the Federal Reserve, who controls monetary policy, can attempt to 
smooth out the business cycle, and the federal government, who controls fiscal policy, can also attempt to smooth out the business cycle. Well, I think we'll stop there. I hope this lecture, which because of interruptions have been, has been somewhat disorganized, I think, uh, I think we've, we've provided some value, at least I hope. I'll see you for Chapter 6 next, next week. This is Tyler Bowles, signing off.